Today we're going to talk about things that are awesome. Yeah, things that are awesome. And kids are it for me. They're awesome. I love it. So we're going to have some fun today. <clears throat> Matthew is asking me who I'm most excited to meet when I get to heaven. That's impossible for someone like me who's just a total fanboy. <clears throat> but I was thinking about it, and I think the first person I want to see is little Samuel, who of course got big. But you guys remember when Samuel was a kid and Eli was calling him? You guys remember the story where, you know, and he comes thinking it's Eli and it's really God talking? He was actually sleeping against the Ark of the Covenant at the time. He's, his bedroom was the inner, inner, inner room of the temple. This is the, this is the Ark that, that killed people, that that person reached out to just balance it one time and got killed, and Samuel just slept on it. He just hung out. That's how awesome kids are. So we're going to talk about this today, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. <clears throat> we are all God's children, Amen. which is awesome. <laughs> Okay, no matter how old we are. But today I'm going to focus on the little ones, on the young kids. God actually has a very high regard for the little ones. In fact, if you read the New Testament, the words of Jesus himself, it's, it's actually easy to infer that children might just be the most important people on the planet. Really? What do you think, kids? Do you think you're the most important people on the planet? He's like, no. Some of them are like, yeah. Some of them are like, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, today we're going to find out if that's true or not. Okay. And we're going to dig into why kids were so important to the Lord and how we as adults are required, whether we have kids or not, we're all required to help children grow in the love of God and grow in the Lord. <clears throat> and forgive me, I'm just starting a cold, so I'm even more nasally than usual. I apologize for that. Matthew, can you grab my water, please? Um, but first of all, let's find out, are children really that important? So I thought I'd go straight to the source. We're going straight to Jesus. And I don't want to spill that, so let's put it down here. <clears throat> so in both Matthew 18.5 <clears throat> and in Mark 9.42, I have a few slides, but not too many. Um, I'm not a slide person, but they, uh, they wanted me to put a few up. So he's going to throw a couple up as we're going. In 18, Matthew 18.5 and in Mark 9.42, it records Jesus saying the following. He says, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Okay, Jesus is not one for hyperbole. He doesn't usually exaggerate. He's not one for overkill. You guys ever really talk, heard him talk a lot about, you know, just going over the top? I got to be honest, this is the only time I know of where Jesus went over the top. Do you know what a large millstone is, kids? I have a, we have a picture of that. Show them a large millstone. It's bigger than the donkey that's moving around it, okay? A, a millstone would weigh anywhere from about three quarters of a ton to 3,300 pounds. And he's saying, let's put them around their neck and throw them. And he doesn't even say throw them in the river. He says, be drowned in the depths of the sea. I have to say... I can't think of a time when Jesus ever spoke about adults that strongly. So he had something in him that really wanted to protect children. You guys with me on this? <clears throat> so even more powerful, possibly even more powerful than that, is in Matthew 18.10, Jesus says to the grown-ups again, he says, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father. Okay, Wow. Did anybody just realize what he just said? We have guardian angels. Jesus just said, we have angels watching us. Talk about awesome. 
That's totally awesome. But the thing is, is the angels that are the children's angels, they're in the front row, right? They're in the front row, bam. That's how important that he puts on them. <clears throat> and since we're on a roll, let's go one more. Um, I'll just paraphrase it. In Matthew chapter 19, <clears throat> we all remember this. The parents are trying to bring their children up to Jesus to be blessed, and the disciples are back, hey, rebuking them. Don't be bothering the teacher. Keep the kids away. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes them. He rebukes the disciples. And he turns to them and says, let the, hey, hey, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. I love that line. <laughs> because Jesus sees children not as little rugrats in the way. He doesn't see them as hindrances, as interruptions. He sees them the same way God has always seen children as what he can make them. Okay? I mean, think of the angel landing behind Gideon, this young guy that's hiding in a wine press, beating wheat, and the angel shows up behind him and says, hello, mighty warrior. Gideon's like, who? Right? That's what Jesus sees. He sees these children as the next generation in the battle for the, the souls of humanity. They are the warriors that he's bringing up. And I love that. And it makes sense if you think about it, because we can lose a generation of adults, and we can keep fighting. But if we lose one generation of children across the world, we lost the world. You guys with me on that? And I don't want to get too scary, too, you know, make it, make it too heavy, but that's how important children are. <clears throat> and I had some statistics. I don't want to spout a bunch of them, so I'm not going to do very many. But the one that all kids pastors know <laughs> is the Barna study where they talk about how old people are when they usually come to meet Jesus, okay? Um, out of everybody who is going to ask Jesus in their heart at any time in their life, two-thirds of them do it before the age of 14, okay? By the time you're age 21, 23% is all that ever asked Jesus into their life after they become adults, that's a ridiculous, ridiculous statistic right there, okay? And the reason is, of course, is because children are open. They know their Lord. They know their Savior. They believe, okay? It works very well for them. And the ones of you that got saved later in life, raise your hand if you got saved later in life. I have a few. Yeah, there's, okay, yeah, about 20%, about right, okay? Um, it was a little harder, wasn't it? It was a little harder. You had to, you had, you had to reach a place, to where you could get saved, or you could come to the Lord, and that's exactly it. And children, yeah, they, they don't have to go through that. Um, again, I'm not going to go through a bunch of statistics, but the one that distresses me the most is, I don't know if you know this, but in most parts of the country now, suicide has climbed up to be the second leading cause of death in children from ages 6 to 20 right behind accidents. Suicides become the second leading cause. That tells you what the devil is focusing on. He is focusing on families. He is focusing on children, okay? And how can, can you imagine a six-year-old who doesn't have hope? Because that's what suicide is. Suicide is when you give up hope. And I, I've, this is a good seven or eight years ago. I got to spend six months going up to the, U's, uh, the University of Utah's primary children's psych ward for uh, every week for six months, visiting this little boy who tried to kill himself when he was six, tried again when he was eight. His name was Isaac. He was an awesome kid, man. We played checkers. He beat me every week. <laughs> I don't think I ever beat that kid at checkers. Um, but we would laugh. He was a normal kid. I had a ball with this guy. 
hung out with them for six months until they finally released him. And I can't understand. I couldn't understand then why he would think it was so bad. And he was a normal kid. It was simply that I don't think it's going to get better when you lose hope or when you don't have your identity. Our country is going through the biggest identity crisis in its history. We have so much extreme behavior going on because we're, we have enough time to worry about it. In the little house in the prairie days, did you worry about that stuff? No, you were putting food on the table. You're going to church on Sunday, that was it, right? So we're in a different place now, but when you don't have an identity in Jesus, you don't have that to cling to. <clears throat> and it scares me. It really does. And I have other statistics, but I don't want to go into them because the sound, they sound too depressing. So I don't want to do it today. I'm changing it up. So how do we work on this next generation? How do we get them to have hope, to believe in Jesus, to know that they can follow the kingdom of God and to get away from this enemy, this devil that's attacking them all the time? What do we need to do as adults? Because this is where I'm, I'm preaching for the kids, but I'm really preaching at you guys. Okay, I'm preaching at us right now. Okay. Mostly, we need to stop losing them in the first place. Okay, that's not on the kids. That's on who? That's on us. Don't, don't go to this in your Bible because it'll take too long. Um, but I'm just going to really quick open up Judges and show you a couple of things here. Okay, um, just real quick. Judges chapter 2, verse 10, right after, um, right after Samuel dies. And I'm going to fly through these. Um, right, uh, not Samuel, after uh, um, Joshua died says, after that, a whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. Now jump down one chapter to chapter three. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot their Lord, their God, and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Five verses later, after they sent a judge to help him out, five verses later, once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 1, after Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of the king of Canaan. Now let's go a couple verses, a couple chapters. Chapter 6, verse 1, the Gideon story. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them to the hands of the Midianites. And then God brought them Gideon, and Gideon uh, you know, did his thing. It's a great story. I love it. But what? check this out. Chapter 8, verse 30. Verse 33, no sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. No sooner than Gideon died. <clears throat> they set up Baal as their God and did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. And one more, chapter 10, verse uh, six, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Asherahs, the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines, every god but their own. Excuse me, but what is wrong with these people? This is absolutely comical. I'm only on chapter 10. This just keeps going. Just keeps going, okay? So when you read this, what was going on? Why did they keep turning their back on the Lord? Well, as you read, you can hear, you can hear most of it right there, but as you read the, the surrounding verses, it's always two things. They had, just gotten, they had just gotten through a nice big period of peace and prosperity, and or the generation with the judge and his generation died away. So two things are abundantly clear from this. Two things just literally hit you in the face. Number one, they kept losing their hunger for God. You guys with me on that? They kept losing their hunger for God. I'm gonna talk real briefly about hunger here in just a minute, but that was number one. Number two is obvious 
they weren't passing the love of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, onto their children. They weren't telling their kids about, about the Lord. This is like us not telling our kids about Jesus. Do we have any right to not tell them about Jesus? No, we have no right not to do that. But that's what they were doing, and they kept turning away. <clears throat> so like I said, hunger, I have a whole sermon on hunger. And so I don't want to go too far into that today, but I just want to bring up hunger is what drives everything, right? From earthworms to puppy dogs to humans, it's all about hunger. What we're hungered for is what we chase after, correct? Okay, and it could be food, it could be power, it could be wealth, it could be God, it could be idols, whatever it is, when we're hungry for it, that's what we're chasing, okay? And America, we're blessed here. I mean, praise the Lord. We were founded by people who loved the Lord, okay? <clears throat> we are truly, or at least we have been in the past, truly a nation under God. And because of that, we've been blessed, okay? I'm, I'm American, and I haven't missed a lot, man. <laughs> I, I don't think I've been hungry, really, truly hungry, outside of a teenage metabolism. I know you're starving already, but outside of a teenage metabolism, I don't think I've been hungry in my entire life. And a lot of people in America haven't. We have the same problem Israel did, and that's prosperity. Now, that's a pretty weird problem to have. Usually that's a good thing, right? But we have the same problem that Israel had as we have prosperity. Why is the, first, is the church shrinking in every first world nation in the, in, the, in the world? Why do we not see miracles here like they see in third world countries? Do we really need God less in America than we need him in Africa? Of course not. We know we need him, but we don't remember. We don't think about it because our bellies are full and we've got toys in our driveway. I mean, heck, we have driveways. Most of the world doesn't have a driveway. Okay, that's how blessed we are. <clears throat> we simply feel that we don't need God when we're in that situation, which is not awesome, right? That's not awesome. Who's ever heard the term of a casual Christian? Older people, definitely. You guys heard that as little kids too? Say, when, when I was big, when I was young, that was a total thing. Oh, he's just a casual Christian. And they'd bring that up all the time. That was somebody who only worshiped the Lord when things were going well. Things were going great. And, uh, you know, then they would be at church and they'd do well. But anytime things got bad, they'd turn away. Even as a kid, I remember thinking, this doesn't sound right. For me, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, a casual Christian, I wish. <laughs> For most of us, <clears throat> it's the opposite. When things are going well, and when we have plenty to do, we have plenty of money, we're too busy, right? That's when we forget where our bread and butter really comes from, right? But yet, when we're struggling, when we're going through it, man, when bad things are happening, and kids deal with this too, grown-ups, just as much as you do. When we're going through that, that's when we're looking to say, wait, I need an answer. I need a savior. I need someone to help me out. We lean into God when we're struggling, not when it's easy, Okay, so back to the kids. How do we get that to the kids? How do we pass on that hunger for the, 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 that the kids need desperately in their lives when we don't remember it ourselves? Okay, that's our job as parents and as parents and people around us. The devil is attacking children mercilessly. He attacks families, he attacks children. And what's interesting is if we can, and whether you're a parent or not, you see a little kid suffering, you know, they get hurt, they're being bullied, something, you know, being treated unfairly, we step in, right? We're good people, we step in, we wanna help. And we will do that when we see that, but at the same time, what are we doing to teach kids the tools 
to be able to stand up to the ultimate enemy, right? In the end, I can't save my kid. In the end, Jesus is the only one that can save him. He's the only one that can protect them from the devil. I can't do it. My job is not to make my kid perfect. I don't have the ability to protect them from the enemy. What is my job? What is a parent's job? What's every adult here's job? All we can do is try to stoke that fire in them, stoke that hunger. Do you guys know what stoke means? You guys ever been in a camp, campground and you poke, the, you poke the stick and it makes the oxygen go in and it gets real big for a minute? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Our job is to let them know how awesome it is to serve the Lord and how he is always there for them. That's all we can do because in the end, I don't get to be your ultimate protector, Jesus is. But that's awesome, okay? Jesus is. So how do we do that as grown-ups? What's our job? First of all, we gotta pray. We've been talking about prayer. Prayer's always there, people. It's big. We don't talk about it every week because it's not a big thing. It is, okay? Um, We need to be praying Prayer, prayer helps us focus in on God, right? It helps us keep our hunger for his presence. It helps us set an example. And God hears our hearts when we pray, but we also need to teach our children to pray. We need to teach them to reach out to God. We need to teach them to, to, to find his presence, to hear from him. And as soon as they hear from them, they're gonna know how great that is and they're gonna wanna be best friends because God's all about relationship. So first thing we need to do is we need to pray. And Ira has some great slides. He's gonna close out for me when I'm done about how we can work on uh, prayers with kids, for kids. So we're actually gonna end on that because it's so important, okay? We need to pray. Second though, and this is the practical one, grown-ups, pay attention to this one, please. We gotta live it, right, grown-ups? We have to live it. <clears throat> Are we showing our kids our hunger for God? Do our kids catch us reading the Bible once in a while? Do our kids hear us praying every night? When we're having problems, do our kids catch us complaining, whining, gossiping, swearing? Where do they catch us on that? Or instead, when we're having problems, do they see us taking it to God? Do they see us crying out to our maker? Do they see us praising him even when we're struggling? Okay? And, even, and then think about this when the kids. The kids are going to have problems too. When the kids have problems, do we jump in and fix them? We like to jump in and fix them. Um, do we... teach them how to blame others, it's your teacher's fault, right? Do we do that? Um, Or instead, do we say, hey, we got to take some responsibility here. Let's talk. Let's take this to God. Let's get God to be the master of your life in these situations. Do we teach them to pray for wisdom, for guidance, for peace, for forgiveness? That's what we need to be doing. And I got to say, as a dad, get a little bit personal here. I've blown that. I've blown that, and I've, 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 it's, it's tough to show it all the time because we're human, right? We're going to go through problems too. Or, or we're going to sometimes get a little too busy, get a little too casual. It happens. But a few years ago, before I came to this church, just like what happened to little Kobe, um, some people made up some lies about me. And it was bad enough that it wiped me out. I lost my job, lost my career, lost my ministry, lost my reputation. I was a wreck. And these were just people, but I couldn't separate the people from God. (laughs) I couldn't separate the people from God. And I found myself, I should say my wife found me, getting very angry at God. And for for a period of time, 
my kids heard more swear words come out of my mouth in a couple of months than had come out of my mouth my entire life. They heard me complaining, yelling, screaming, whining. It was a terrible time. Okay, my God, he had to listen to me throw tantrums. I really did because I was so frustrated and so hurt and I couldn't separate God out of that. Now, the good thing is, who's ever been angry at God? Thank you. All right, you've been angry at God. Um, guess what? God has really big shoulders. Amen. Yeah, he can take it. He can take my little tantrums. He can take my yelling and screaming and swearing. Um, all he wants is me not to turn my back right? That's what he wants. And by the way, that's a whole nother sermon again. So sometime we'll go over that with you. Um, but when I finally, when I finally remembered my maker, when I finally remembered my king, (laughs) what I should say is when I finally pulled my head out, (laughs) when I finally remembered what things really mattered, I came back to the Lord. And the thing is, I had to bring my wife and my children I brought them into the kitchen. Matthew, do you remember this? He's shaking his head. I brought them into the kitchen and I had to apologize to my children. And it was hard. Because I brought them in and I said, I'm sorry, kids. The way I've been acting and the way I've been treating God is unacceptable. I have no right to hold this against God. God did nothing. He is, he is, he is always good. And I had to apologize to them and ask their forgiveness because of how I had been treating the Lord, because I was setting the exact wrong example from what I wanted to hear, okay? Or what I wanted them to hear. Now, the nice thing is, children, just like Jesus, they love to forgive. My kids forgave me before I even finished crying. <laughs> that's how awesome they are. But just remember, that's how great, that's how great the kids are. And we have to live it, man. We gotta set that example, okay? So we need to pray, we need to live it, And number three, we need to remember we're a group here. It takes a village. You've heard the sentence. It takes a village to raise a child. Well, it does take a village to raise a child in the Lord because God is about relationship. So whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you've never had kids or whether you're a kid yourself, just a a youth helper, whatever, young adult, we all have to remember we're all together. We're all gonna pray. We're all gonna set the example. Okay, we're also, these little kids that go run around after church, just shower them. Shower them with the love of Jesus. Tell them that they're great. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Ask them what they learned in church today. Let's get these kids paying attention. Okay, let's do that. We can do this as a village. Who in here works with children? Either at school, here, you know, Jeff, raise your hand, you guys. Um, even if you're a youth helper, raise your hand if you're, even if you're a youth helper, okay? Great, or uh, Wednesday nights, missionettes. Okay, this is a real small sampling of the church because we have two services and, and a lot of the women are gone at the retreat and we still have a good number of hands. Guess what? That's a perfect example. You're doing it. You're the village. You're helping us raise these precious kids in the name of Jesus. So just thank you, man. Thank you for what you do. I just, I'm so grateful. That's the perfect example. Okay. Pray, live it. Let's team up together. And lastly, we need to remember, we need to be able to change our perception and see kids the way God sees kids, okay? Because if we will get that in our heads as grownups and we see kids as the way, the way God sees them, we'll know they're not hindrances. We'll know that they're not interruptions. We will know that they are not weak, that they are strong, okay? 
The Bible says, and this is, this is one of those power verses. I saved this for the end because it's just, it, uh, it's, it's crazy, crazy strong. In uh, Psalm 8, 2, this is what God says about kids. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avengers. I have that, I have that on one of my uh, banners that we have in the kids' church room so that they see that. Basically, God just said the praise of an infant makes the devil run away. That's awesome. Okay, that's awesome. I put this in the New Living because my wife has the New Living, so I read her sometimes, and I love that there too. It says, you have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. Does God need Samson to fight for him? Right, Kobe? No, does he need the big burly prayer warriors? Those are awesome. They're great. He'll take a little kid and he'll stomp on the world with it. Okay, that's how great God is, and that's the regard he has for children. And I love it. And I've had kids like that in my kids' church, man. We have some in here right now. But I remember when my mom died, 2010, my mom died. And I was a wreck um, because she died early. Um, And uh, one of the little kids, his name was Jacob. I made his prayer list. (laughs) This kid was a prayer warrior like you've never seen. He prayed for me every night for over a year until he knew I was better. Okay? That's a prayer. By the way, he was about eight, I think, at the time. Okay, just awesome. That's what they do. These kids are just powerful. So to close us up here, we cannot forsake the children. And God forbid we can't lead them astray. Don't do it, man. That millstone does not look pleasant, man. Okay. We instead want to pray for them. We want to teach them to pray. We want to work together. We want to set the example. Okay, because kids matter. Kids are important. Okay, And in the end, here's what I want to see for my kids. I want to hear these exact words like they said about Jesus when he was a little kid. Because if they say this about our kids, in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I want to hear that for every kid that comes through this church, every kid we reach, I want to hear that because if that is said about them, we did our jobs, grown-ups, And they would be the next generation that would bring back the world for the Lord and make us great in God's eyes. Let's get these kids to grow strong in the spirit. And that would be awesome. Amen. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for these kids, Lord God. I thank you that you are so wise, that you love us so much. And Jesus... It cracks me up, Jesus, that when, when the Pharisees were attacking you that one time and they're asking those complicated questions, you literally laughed. The Bible says you chuckled and you raised your face to heaven and you said, my father, Lord of heaven and earth, I worship you for you do not reveal these things to the wise and learned. You reveal them to the little children. That's how great kids are in your eyes, Lord. And we are all your children, Father, but we have a job to do, and that's to raise the next generation up for you. Help us to stoke the fires in them and help the kids to just get it, help them to fill your presence. And Father, I pray that you will just flood this church with the love of Jesus from the oldest person in the building to the youngest person in the building. Help us to always know that you love us and that you love the little children. In Jesus' name, amen.